everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Rethinking Supply Chain. I'm Diana, and I'm here with your host, John Abrams. And today we've got a special guest, Carrie Young, with us. John and Carrie are going to be talking a little bit more about how Carrie got into the product content space and more about what Enterworks does and uh, what Wind Shuttle does. So, um, Carrie, welcome. Well, thank you. Great to be here. Great to see you again, John. And you too, Carrie. It, it has been uh, too long. And I know the pandemic is is keeping our travel limited, but uh, honestly, can't wait till you can get back to Chicago where I can get out. Uh, I assume you're kind of out, out east. Is that true? I'm, I'm in uh, North, North Florida, ba- bearing the heat and Tremendous. the humidity. Oh, yeah. that's right. Jacksonville area, if I recall. Exactly. Yep. Great. Well, uh, yeah, quite a, quite warm. Hope the recent hurricane didn't impact you too much. And no, uh, no. good. So I'm really glad that you're here. One of the things, and uh, it came up as we were working through some things uh, last week with your team. One of the things that came up was that you and I were both at a Comdex event years ago. And what I'd like to do is get a sense of how you know, what drew you into product content? You know, my perspective, is, as you know, uh, is that the world of product content and organizing content at the manufacturer, uh, that's been going on for some period of time. And now, as manufacturers and people with product information have gotten better at that, they're optimizing further out. So they're optimizing all the way to the retailer and down to the consumer. And that has all sorts of implications. But I think, uh, you know, my origin story of getting into this was through networks. I built networks for Chicago Tribune and then Tribune Company and worked with folks at NCSA, so the supercomputing lab down at University of Illinois. Um, and I'm kind of curious because I know we used to go to the same shows and same mm-hmm. uh, big networking events when when we were all trying to make computers talk to each other. How did that stage, how did you get from the early versions of computing and networks into product content? Sure. Uh, actually, the story is pretty interesting and um, you'll have to keep I'll try to keep it short because it's actually kind of a long story. But um, I I was working for a global distributor at the time. This is in the early 90s. And um, the the CEO of the company, a really sharp guy named Rob Roden, was uh, he, he had this dream uh, that he he talked about all the time. And it was he, he described it as frictionless, frictionless, frictionless uh, con, uh, commerce. Wow. And at the time, at the time, this was pre-internet, uh, and you know, you had things like the bulletin boards, uh, CompuServe, and yeah, yeah, you know, all the other popular ones at the time. And um, I had uh, it, I had read this uh, little article um, that uh, it literally is like a paragraph long about this guy at the NCSA called Mark Andreessen, who was had created something called Mosaic. And, um, yeah, so, um, you know, we were, I needed to figure out this frictionless commerce and how to, you know, uh, do something more. And so I, I communicated with him the only way possible at the time I faxed him (laughs) and, uh, (laughs) and, uh, said, Hey, I see this mosaic thing and this worldwide web. 
uh, is this what a homepage looks like? Is this what you're thinking about? And remember, this was, there were no ISPs, there were no on-ramps to the internet, uh, modems at the time, I know I'm dating myself, I think we're at like 600 or 300 baud. I mean, it was oh, just, yeah. uh, you yeah. know, it was, it was at the, in the day where they made all those crazy noises. And uh, so he faxed me back, uh, you know, yeah, that's kind of what a homepage looks like. I'd be happy to, you know, help you work with one. Oh. Here is uh version it was a beta version of something called html and wow. um so we uh we created our first homepage. um the company was called marshall industry but in our ceo wanted he, he had the idea that we should be called e-trade oh <laughs> so uh we we came out with e-trade.com uh and Literally the next day, uh, got a cease and desist from E-Trade saying <laughs> can't use our name, and we changed it to Marshall. And uh, but uh, that's kind of where this all started for us was we were a distributor of over three million parts and products. We wanted to do this thing called a website, and immediately once we figured out the technology part, it was well, how do we get? the information about these 3 million SKUs so we could put it on a website and it just all happened from there. That, um, you know, yeah, the fascinating story and, and, uh, and it's interesting. We, we had similar, uh, you know, reasons to get into computing. I was doing it from the, or networking, if you will, mm-hmm. I was doing it from the, how do we optimize the distribution of radio, television, newspaper content? And, and so while it wasn't a lot of SKUs, it was massive amounts of information. And this mm. is, you know, as you know, back in the days when a gigabyte was uh, almost unimaginable in terms of right. content, you know, a news recording, whether it was just, plain old audio or video, which was just so hard to deal with from a digital side back then, Mm -hmm. that much information, you just didn't have a vehicle to move it. So, so Tribune company at the time, we were talking about networks, but uh, you know, you, you kind of couldn't deal with the constraints on, on capacity that, that existed back then. Just a quick, Mark Andreessen's story. So uh, my brother, one of my brothers actually uh, was at the University of Kansas and he was in their uh, supercomputing hub. And so he knew Andreessen from that side of the house. And Andreessen said he was going to start this company and moving out to California. And did he want to go? And his answer was, yeah, you know, I kind of like Kansas. I'm having a good time. I, you know, what's in California? And he said, well, you know, really like, like to have you. And I remember being with that particular brother at my parents' cottage mm-hmm. up in uh, Wisconsin when NBC News uh, launched uh, their broadcast with the, I don't know if, I guess they were going public and it was the biggest IPO at the time mm-hmm. ever. And I just remember my brother in the house screaming, that he had not joined Andreessen out at his mm-hmm. new company out in California. Anyway, uh, you know, funny stories from back in the day. So my curiosity then, I think it has taken an unreasonable amount of time to go from the concepts we were dealing with in the early 1990s of this stuff ought to work together 
to the fact that if a product recall, for instance, is issued today, you still don't have a connection all the way to the consumer. And, and I'm frustrated at the uh, sort of lack of industry speed at connecting all the things together. I'm curious mm-hmm. your perspective on that. Yeah, I would agree. I, I, re, I remember going, you know, back in the early 90s when we were sort of contemplating all of this and some of the things that we were trying to do as a distributor, we were, we were that junction box. We were trying to link the manufacturers to uh, the end user, uh, whether that was the engineer or the end consumer. And a lot of the things that we were trying to do back then and trying to connect the supply chain, if you will, or the, you know, sort of the value chain all the way across, people are still trying to do, you know, 20, 30 years later. So it's, uh, it is frustrating. It, it's, it seems, um, it seems to be moving at a very, very slow rate for whatever reason. It must, it's hard to do. I, you know, that's, that's, I guess that's the reason. Yeah, I, I I think it's it's hard to do, but I I end up in conversations with folks every once in a while who say, well, but supply chain isn't uh, isn't sexy enough to command our attention, and so so the you know we're going to invest in the the marketing aspects of our website mm-hmm. or some such thing, and that that really that really puzzles me because. A website to me is sort of it's it's like window dressing. It's mm-hmm. there's there's nothing really functional about a website versus the mechanics of moving product information and and mm-hmm. and and so I'm you know maybe it's not sexy doing core supply chain work, but it it seems more more like there's more opportunity to unlock. There's more profit. There's more mm-hmm. efficiency. Uh, so, yeah, I you know I share your frustration. Do you think that's going to change? Mm-hmm. I think yeah, uh, definitely. I think it is changing. Uh, it was already, I think, changing pretty rapidly pre-pandemic already because you know companies you know needed to get products to market faster. Products are changing more quickly and you know, being able to get these products out to the shelves or wherever they need to get to, that was, that was a goal we see all the time. That's a reason for, you know, purchasing a a product information management system. I think the pandemic and COVID-19 has really accelerated the need to do that as well as companies are selling more online as supply chain issues become, you know, more critical because of the lack of, you know, the, the difficulty of moving products around. So I, I do see that changing. I see people accelerating their plans all up and down uh, the supply chain. Yeah. And I, I do too. Uh, you know, we, we deal with that, that ugly last mile, as you know, of, of mm-hmm. the supply chain and we're getting hammered for a, a much broader set of, uh, endpoints than we could have imagined you know we thought we were we were keeping up and uh and we're not and mm-hmm. and that from a business perspective that's a good thing uh mm-hmm. and and actually from a is end to end efficiency 
starting to be a uh, you know a sexy thing for for retailers and manufacturers? I think the answer is is yes, and and maybe it's not as you know fun to do uh, core supply chain as it is to do uh, really fun looking front end websites, mm-hmm. but it is it has a bigger payoff, and especially given that people have just been slammed by inefficiency through this pandemic. I, I think it's, you know, maybe it's not as fun as building a, a front end website, but it is way more resilient from a business continuity perspective. And, and, yeah. uh, uh, and, and I think that uh, I'm just curious your perspective, I mm-hmm. think that's going to be with us in terms of building that resiliency and for another decade plus. Yeah, definitely. I, I think people's focus has changed, uh, at least mm. what we see happening as well, where the focus maybe for e-commerce at one time was strictly how do I improve uh, the efficiency of how I get either information or products to my website even. I mean, that was the focus. E-commerce was the website itself. And um, it's that's really changed. Uh, if you talk to the leader, uh, you know, of e-commerce now for a typical company, they're more, more focused on all of the endpoints, the channels, the, mm. the re, you know, the end retailers, the marketplaces way more than they are just their website. You know, their website now is really just one small aspect of a company's e-commerce strategy. And that's really good to hear. I, I believe that should be the case. And uh, it's good to hear that that is, is resident in your customer base because that the the focus on the website being the end, I always thought very short sighted. It is not the end. Uh, the a the consumer is ultimately the end, and Correct. and being able to connect uh, from origin to destination, destination being consumption or the consumer. That's the holy grail. It, it's right. it's not right. Uh, it, you know, I've always looked at websites as being the cash register, and you mm-hmm. can't just you right. can't just end the relationship at that cash register. Right. It's got to right. it's got to persist. And uh, yeah. so it's, it's really reassuring uh, to hear that. Do you think that's been changing before the pandemic, or or did the pandemic just kind of throw it in everybody's face? Mm-hmm. No, there were. Uh, it, it definitely was changing uh, pre-pandemic, but I would I would say, you know, it was not pervasive. You know, there were t- companies who really got it, who really understood it back then that this was going to be important. That it was more the web, more than the website itself. Um, and I would say there was a, it was a pretty large community of companies who understood that. But then, you know, uh, the the pandemic has certainly accelerated those discussions. It certainly has highlighted the companies that were prepared and, and weren't prepared for this. It's, it's um, you know, I'm sure it's the topic of a lot of boardroom discussions every single day. So, uh, but yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely top of mind uh, for most companies that we talk to. Well, I, I want to get into, and we won't have time on this episode, but I, I would like to have you back on a, another episode so we can get into more of the detail on, on what goes on in, in uh, 
product management, master data management, the kind of things that you've applied your expertise and your team applies mm-hmm. expertise to. And so I want to dig into that around the dimensions of resiliency and in uh, maybe the larger umbrella end-to-end connectivity, which is given that we both started in networks, uh, mm-hmm. if you will, back in the back in the day. Um, mm-hmm. I want to talk about it in that context. But uh, before we wrap up, you know, Diana, could you maybe prompt for, you know, how do we get uh, folks in touch with Kerry and his team and uh, uh, wrap us up? Yeah, Kerry, if you could just let us know the best way to get a hold of you or the best way for people to learn more about Enterworks and WindShuttle, uh, that would be great. Sure. Well, our URL, just if you want to know some general information about WindShuttle and Enterworks, is www enterworks.com. The other way would be just to email me at Kerry, K-E-R-R-Y dot Young, Y-O-U-N-G at enterworks.com. Awesome. Thanks so much, Kerry, for being with us yep. today. Hopefully yep. we'll have you Thank back you. for another episode to chat a little bit more about product content. Thank you listeners for tuning in today and we'll be back again soon with another episode of Rethinking Supply Chain. Thank you for listening to the Rethinking Supply Chain podcast. It's brought to you by Venzi, intelligent product content distribution for enterprise commerce. Learn more and say hello to us at venzi.com. That's V-E-N-Z-E-E.com.